that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well, we've devised a test to put to rest your fears There's no need to panic if you lend us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show, then you're probably a nerd Oh, Ken, it's Ken, it's all Sunday. You know what that means. It's time for a new episode of the It's Canon Podcast. The podcast where we talk about all things geek. The podcast where we talk about all things pop culture. The podcast where we talk about anything and everything. We're your hosts. I'm Boris. And as always, I am joined by Phil. Hello, hello. How is everyone doing out there? Gotta give people a few seconds to answer. Ah, yes, I, I heard it. I heard it. I'm glad you're all doing it. <laughs> Excellent. So we have a jam-packed episode today, as always. But today we're going to be talking about the MCU. We're going to be talking about the world continuing to open. We have gaming news. Ubisoft says it's going to focus less on AAA games. What does that actually mean? We're going to be talking about the Switch. We're going to be talking about new PS5 controllers. And the PS4 is still selling like hotcakes. Yes, PS4. And then, as always, we have movie news, streaming news, etc., etc., etc. That's a pretty jam-packed show. As always. Here, I was thinking, it's a slow week. It was a slow (laughs) week. It took me a while to find some stuff. Some good stuff. Worthwhile stuff. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough, yeah. This Some of that seem- stuff did register, but... Yeah. A lot, this week seemed to be full of... Hearsay. Rumor. Innuendo. Hearsay. Yeah, a little bit. Hey, I'd like to, just before we jump into all the fun, I'd like to, to give a shout-out. It was 31 years ago today that Jim Henson passed away. So yeah. I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that and, uh, you know, big influence on like basically everything in a lot of the geek pop culture end of the universe and all of our childhoods. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty significant passing. So. Yep. 100% for sure had quite the significance for us, both of us here. Um, you know, it's something that we follow very closely, something that, uh, you know, Muppets is, is, is for sure something that registers for both of us. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm always shocked looking at my social media and, and things like that, where I see that um, it obviously affects a lot of other people too. It, it's the depth and the, and the, the reach that the guy had is just truly remarkable. And, yep. and um, yeah, it's a, it's a really sad thing, but uh, I think we move forward, uh, you know, 31 years is an awful long time and I'm glad that his work is still with us and a spirit. So we continue yep. on down the road. And as we talked about last week, hopefully the new stuff keeps improving. Um, hopefully, you know, Disney and the like have kind of started learning their lessons, know how to use the property a little better. Um, you know, offline, we were talking about kind of like 
you know, what made the Muppets special and what really got them over whether you are a child, kid, teen, adult, you know, whatever, whatever age you are, is the fact that they kind of teetered on this on this thin line of kid-friendly humor with some adult-friendly humor, and it just, you know, it was just fun. Yeah, and that, that really is the magic line that they, they, they were able to achieve is kind of the the appeal to both audiences and it it was kind of interesting because really what got me started thinking about this again was last night on saturday night live there was a skit where they quite blatantly did the muppet show right and it it, it kind of got me to the point where i thought geez man this parody is outdoing what disney tried with the muppets because of just their simple use of the nostalgia effect, which I'm surprised Disney didn't go after more. But yeah. it is what it is. They gave something a shot. I, I don't think it worked. You don't. Uh, apparently, a lot of people don't because we're not really seeing a lot of buzz about a second season or anything. But I, I am continually hopeful, like you said, that they're continuing on with the, pro- the product. Um, We have the Halloween special coming up, and, and I hope that it regains some of that that magic right that that you know kids get interested in it adults get a laugh out of it lightning in a bottle my friend yep here's the thing though like unfortunately like in this day and age i kind of feel like disney is a little nervous because like i mentioned muppets kind of teetered that line right like they 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 Mm -hmm. they walked on eggshells all over that line of you know of too adult or too kid friendly and i think that especially in today's day and age um, where, you know, sensitivity is a hell of a thing. Um, I feel like they might be a little afraid to take a step in either direction. Yeah, it, it's it's a tough it's a tough line for sure. I think they need to cook it more, if you know what I mean. I, I think they saw an opportunity last year with the COVID stuff and with the pandemic raging like it was, and I, I think that they just saw an easy opportunity but i don't think or maybe there was challenges in production as well it just didn't cohesively go together yeah and it just felt like it was just a a marketing ploy yeah more than some of their other properties right like if you look at the mcu you look at star wars you look at those divisions pixar they get a little more respect out of out of the the whole process but, I don't know. It's it it's, it's it it, that's hard to say. I I think it's more they're trying new things, right? Like it, they're starting at the yeah. bottom for some reason with those with uh, the Muppets, and and they're just trying to capture something new. But also, who knows? Like who knows what their strategy is with the Muppets at the end of the day? You know, it's always kind of been yeah. the odd um, IP out. Yeah. Well, at least we are fortunate in that. The Muppet Show is on Disney Plus now. It was easy content for them to do, and they did it right. So, out of all the complaints that I could have about how Disney has managed it, they have been doing things that I I do think are good, <laughs> and that that would be one of them. It's uh, there's nothing like getting those five seasons uh, access to them in a high quality format. Well, not only that, but obviously, you know, they had to invest, especially in that last season, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a lot of marketing rights and and contracts to pay and and stuff like that. And Disney obviously had to pony up the cash and the stuff they couldn't get, they edited around. 
right? They still have their own content. So yep. uh, but I'm still, pretty, pretty happy about it. Funny. Disney can pay it when they feel like it. And they can honor content. Yeah, and then they like do it. the stuff like Alan Dean Foster. Yep. You know, I, it's just so baffling when you think about how much money. But at the same rate, like we've talked about on the show, I don't know how great of a time it is for Disney right now because a, a big pillar of theirs is obviously the parks, the mm-hmm. cruises, all of that stuff, and they're not able to do anything with it with this COVID situation. Hopefully this summer, obviously, things are getting better. I saw them announce this week that you no longer need a mask if you're vaccinated type thing and going to the park, or I think they just outright said no more masks needed yeah. because of the transmission. No more masks, the, less the virus social is slow, distancing. So low outside, yeah. yeah. So, you know, maybe, maybe we see that revenue stream get back and, you know, the mouse is rolling in the money. Yep, exactly. We'll see. And and just remember, Disney is just like, it's it's such a huge company now. It's not just parks. It's not just movies. It's not just entertainment. It has sports with ESPN. It has ABC and their TV division. And then that's not even including all of the Fox divisions, FX, FXX, um, Fox itself, right? Like, it's just, there's so much right now. Um, Yeah. You know, so, so Disney is just like the, some would say the ultimate entertainment company right now i think you know without without talking about it i know that we've looked at an article that may be future telling and probably not like there there's definitely slants on it here's the thing a little bit that's exactly it. yeah and i'm not saying so here's the thing phil i'm not saying that things aren't a brewing at disney but you know with articles like that you have to take a look at who's writing them Who's mm-hmm. offering up quotes, and what is the point of this article actually um, trying to get out, right? Like, this is in Variety, which is a very entertainment, uh, creative, heavy article. Um, and, yep. and, and just so our listeners know, there's an article in Variety that Phil sent over um, that got the three of us chatting about kind of like, you know, what's actually going on at Disney. And right now, it's it, for me, it's a non-story. We all know that there's a CEO change at, at Disney happening right now. Bob Iger is taking a more of a backseat. Um, the new CEO seems to be, um, you know, Bob Chapek seems to be taking more reins and things are changing. People who had a ton of power, who had like the the blank check, seem to be not having that as much. So you know you can interpret it in a sense that they are adding checks and bounds, that they're not allowing the creatives to be creative. But it also could be, hey, we just had a pandemic. We got to make sure that what what we release is good and that is going to make money. Yes, and all that has fair value, for sure, hundred percent. Um, I chose to see that article with a little bit of the glass half empty on that front, but it it was more so like you say, it's, it's too early. It's going to take three or four years before we actually see the repercussions of any changes. And he is a new CEO. He needs to make changes. He has to like, you can't just come in and say, I'm going to do what the last guy did. So everybody just keep on working. I get it. There's changes. I just, there's certain areas of Disney that I can see there being really big egos in. Of course. And it's going to be interesting to see the reactions because we're already hearing whispers and rumors. And you're right. They're asking specific people specific questions. That is true. 
So I I can't argue it. I can just go with my gut on this and what I've seen from Disney so far. And we know that Iger and Feige worked well together. He Iger took out well, obstacles here's the thing, for Feige. Though. It's very right? easy to work well with your boss when your boss lets you do whatever the fuck you want. And, and essentially yeah, gives in to true. all of your demands. Super easy. I'm going to get along with my boss. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that, again, that's true. But I, I see the change even with Black Widow going to the Disney Plus exclusive stream as well as theaters. All right. To be fair, it's doing the, the dual release. But it's doing that that Disney premiere service, and we know that that was a sticking point for Kevin Feige. I think JPEG is because Iger is stepping out completely this December on the board, on this assistant CEO, all that stuff. So it's going to be JPEG show all. And I just see that as JPEG won around on Feige. And I also see the way that some of the Disney shows have been coming out on Disney+. Plus. And I see the way that they're handling some of their announcements. It's being done with less of the the same feel, but maybe it's just changed due to the pandemic. You're right. So there's a lot. It's hard to lot. read into there's, it because we don't know. We just don't know, right? There's a lot. Here's the thing. So earlier this week, there was a lot of um, talk about what's going on at Disney, and uh, the new CEO Bob Chapek went on. Um, a bunch of uh he did the media rounds talking about specifically the premier access as it was announced that Dwayne Johnson and Emil Blunt's uh action comedy Jungle Cruise is going to premier access. So people want to know like what decisions and how do you make the call of what goes straight to Disney Plus and what goes to Disney Plus premier access. And he essentially said that they're trying to, and I quote, we're trying to monitor our consumers ready to go back into theaters. Um, of course, let's say 90% of the domestic uh, marketplace is open right now, and we're encouraged in terms of polling, in terms of that growing uh, that, of that growing going forward. But if you look at last weekend's box office, for example, and you compare it versus an average of the last three years pre-COVID box office, it was 85% low domestically and 67% below internationally. So mm. he's essentially, and, and for the record, I call bullshit on this. He's essentially saying <laughs> certain movies who they feel would perform well at the box office, they're moving to Pyramid Access because they want to see if people are ready to pay for stuff and content again. Yeah. it's They want our money. <laughs> it's that simple. I, 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 know, I know with some of the stuff that I've been hearing as well, and it's just hearing. It's, it's not, you know, people have got to take all this with a grain of salt, but... Apparently, Pixar a little bit miffed that Soul went straight to Disney Plus, didn't even get premiere access, right? They they they're not the 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 people creating the stuff used to be have more input as to where it got released, and now Disney are taking more control of that, and that's not a bad thing. It's just different. Here's, here's and that's the, the end so, of the day. Know, What's happening? I'm gonna stop you right there. There's a reason why they care, and it has nothing to do about artistic integrity. No. It's because, as we talked about last week, certain contracts are built around theatrical release. Yeah. So, taking yep. that in, and again, this is speculation on my part, 
But let's talk about this. I would be pretty pissed off if my bonuses were tied to uh, domestic or international numbers. I would be pretty pissed off if I got a bonus based on thresholds and performance in the movie theaters. So, you know, let's go back and say, okay, people at Pixar are miffed. Why are they miffed? No one ever explained why they're miffed outside of, well, our movie was just released on Disney Plus as opposed to Premier Access. Why? There's a reason. So let's take a look at the, you know, the future of all this and what can come. You know, I think that uh, right now, if you represent artists, if you represent anyone, if you're part of any type of union, right now is your time to get back into the negotiating table because, you know, it's time to rewrite contracts. It's time to take a look at where things are being released and where the money is being made. And, you know, if you're going to tie, my, like, my bonuses uh, to certain thresholds, let's see where those thresholds can actually be attained. Yeah, you're right. Uh, 100%. Like, I... You can look at any of these articles and any of the speculation and you, you boil it down to just that. There's a reason why they're complaining about it. It's usually going to loop back to cash, right? Yeah. And the industry and that's is the thing. I'm not trying to right I'm not now. trying to you know take away from yes, there is a level of I would be pissed if something yeah. I worked on for years just kind of got thrown out there into the public, right? But there's always motivation. There's always motivation and I feel like a lot of these articles are missing the point. I think that we should be talking about this more, and I have no issue with these articles coming out. It's let's examine why these people are miffed. Why? Yeah. Why what's going on actually affects them. And at the end of the day, partial it's partial money. And 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 then if it's money, then shouldn't that money not be tied to certain milestones and thresholds and things like that with a theatrical release like we need to have that conversation and and especially now because let's be honest post COVID-19 whatever that looks like <laughs> you know things are going to change people are consuming content differently you know I would say that we were fast forwarded five to ten years with how people consume content and tv shows and everything because of COVID-19. I believe that we've yeah. just fast-forwarded into the future. And, you know, going back to our conversation from last week, similar to how the government isn't ready for a lot of technology, <laughs> entertainment companies, production companies, what have you, they're not ready for how people consume content and how paydays go. Um, you know, a perfect example of this is WWE, and I know I always bring them up, and it's because I really understand their business part. And, you know, WWE, say what you want about them, they've always been ahead of the curve when it comes to things like this. Like, they launched their streaming network in 2014. You know, like, streaming was just in its infancy in that sense, right? So, you know, prior to the WWE network, a wrestler would get payouts for live events. That didn't change. They would get payouts for merch that changed a lot over the past year obviously um but their biggest payoff would be from pay-per-views now yeah pay-per-views was a huge thing back you know we're talking about like early 2000s to mid 2000s uh the wrestlemania main event you know yes things are predetermined for you to be in the WrestleMania main event, it essentially means that you've been the biggest uh, entertainer, 
the biggest story maker, the biggest whatever, the best performer over the past year. So you get the WrestleMania main event. And in the early 2000s, it was the million dollar match. That was your payout. That was your bonus for being in the WrestleMania main event. You know, and in a time when you had 12 pay-per-views a year, sometimes a little more, you know, a good portion of your check of what you make at the end of the day, you know, came from pay-per-views. Your downside guarantee is like if you did nothing, if you sold, sold zero merch, wrestled in zero house shows, as they call them, wrestled in no pay-per-views, that's your downside guaranteed. Um, and the majority of the downside guarantees aren't what you would expect, you know, for someone who's on the road 350 or sorry, 300, 250 to 300 days a year. Like you would never expect what their downside guarantees is. Like we're looking at the low 100K for an average wrestler. You know, it's all in their extras, in their merch, in their appearances, Mm -hmm. etc. So the point I'm trying to make, and I, I was just setting up what their pay structure looked like. Now, post-2014, when pay-per-view essentially became special events and you got them for free if you had the network, well, how does that pay structure work now? You know, you're essentially yeah. taking away bonuses because there's no more pay-per-view. So, and, and, and in terms of subscriber count, you don't really know how many people were watching that network and it doesn't matter because everyone was paying $9.99 into the WWE network. You know, and, and, and pay-per-view was still a thing, and it's still a thing, but it's it's only a fraction of what it used to be. So, you know, again, so to this day, seven years later, Phil, wrestlers are still <laughs> complaining and, and having these conversations with, um, you know, WWE management about, well, how do these, how does this bonus structure work? Yeah, and like you say, we're in early times that we've been fast-forwarded and pressured into a new content future that's going to be that has that similarity there. And I know that the one change that I've talked about on here before, and I'm still not liking it going forward is this premier access payment system. I'm already buying the streaming service. Give me like, I, I, honestly, I'm just going to pay attention to when it's free or when it's included in my subscription. I'm not going to fork over that extra 30 or $40. I know it's a value-add proposition if you have a family or a group of people that might be all putting 10 bucks into the pot or whatever the situation may be. If people want to go for it, I'm not going to be upset with you. It's just not my cup of tea. That's the thing. It's not your cup of tea, but this is the thing. Yeah. But that's exactly it, Phil. It's not your cup of tea. It's someone else's cup of tea. So I think these companies, they take take a look at exactly yeah. how and where and when people are consuming their content. Yeah. Well, obviously, I'm, I'm, yeah, you're right. We're all part of that demographic. We're all part of that measurement system. And they're testing the waters right now to see what the tolerance is and what the payouts are like, right? Exactly. And this I think is that's a exactly huge it. test. Yeah, this is a huge test because it's MCU. Yep. And I think that they've tested with Disney, obviously. They've tested with other areas of Disney properties. Um, and now they're going to put the big guns in there. And depending on that reception, it could change a lot of how these movies go in the future. You're right. Yeah, it's, all it's crazy. About the money. It is like, all about the imagine- money. So I think, I, think, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said a lot of it is just a test in terms of 
how far they can go people before people get yeah. pissed off. I've already drawn my line in the sand. Yeah. And I'm sticking to it. But you're one but person. Other right? people yeah, other people have to make their choices. And I'm not here to tell people it's right or wrong. It's you do you. You know, you feel that that's something that that you're comfortable with. I'm not judging. But I certainly I I really do hope that we don't live in a world where Doctor Strange 2 comes out and it's a Disney premiere exclusive type thing for like 6 months. Yeah, well, like, well the that's problem the problem is, is it, it, it's not. So, but that's yeah. the thing, right? Like it goes back to our other conversation of, well, guess what's going to come back on the rise? You know, I'm not a fan yeah. of doing stuff illegally, but if it's the only way that I'm going to watch yeah. what I want in a fair way, guess what? I'm going to find the legal way. Look at your Godzilla story. Yeah, I know exactly, right? If they make it difficult, it's it's people are going to find other ways. And you are right. Like I, I was just about to finish up my little statement with the point that, hey, if it's on the Internet, it's on the Internet. So <laughs> there's going to be another way to find it. And yeah, and probably just as fast. It's crazy how prolific all of this stuff is because, mm -hmm. you know, I'm never that night Godzilla versus Kong is launched and I'm like, hey, look, it's already on a friend's server. Like, you know what I mean? It wasn't difficult. It's was like, no, yeah. that took an hour. <laughs> so, yeah, it's crazy. It's a crazy world we live in. It really is. Like, it's so easy to find things, but at the same time, you do have to be careful, right? But here's the thing. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not promoting to doing it that way. No. What no. I am promoting is that these companies need to be careful because I'm a person who I will happily fork over money to watch anything for free or for legal means, right? Yes. I will pay yep. money. I don't care. I support, I will support artists. I will support creatives. Um, you know, and it's even then it's, it's, it's kind of hard to say that you're actually supporting the creatives and the artists. You're actually supporting the money makers at this point, but that's another conversation yeah. for another day. Point I'm trying to make is that I'm willing to pay for content, but if you make that content difficult, if you make that content, um, you know, out of range, if you make it just difficult, it's, it's, I'm going to, I'm going to torrent the shit out of that yeah and it, uh, as i said with the godzilla versus kong thing i'm like when it comes out on blu-ray or 4k i'm probably going to pick it up because it's the type of title that i wouldn't mind having in my collection yep. and the whole idea of supporting it but for now with the distribution method and the bungling that's gone on between hbo max in the states it not being available here in this market um the access being a high paywall for even a rental type thing I'm not going to buy it, but maybe I'll pick it up when it's $24.99 on Google Movies, right? Or whatever like that. I'll put it in my library. I'm going to support it when I can, but in the meantime, I just wanted to see it. <laughs> like, yeah. It, it really came down to it, right? The hype machine is high when you've been, like, we're still under lockdown in Ontario. So yeah. it's been a long freaking time, man, of just staring at your monitors. <laughs> It's crazy times, but you'll do crazy things. But you're bang on right, you know. We don't endorse the thievery of it. It's just when, when you know, if they continue to play these games, people do different things. And yeah, there's not much you can help. That's exactly it. Um, all right, so that's that conversation. Um, it's funny that you brought up uh, the Jim Henson, 31 years. It's crazy, 31 years. Um, uh, 20 years ago, roughly, 
GameCube was premiered oh. at an E3. 20 yeah. years. Like, nice. in my mind, 20 years, <laughs> you know, 20 years is still 1990. Yeah, I know, right? It's, I still have my original GameCube. That was a good little system. I never had that one. Really? Oh, I, yeah. I, I actually really adored it because, um, because of those mini discs, the yeah. mini CDs and everything. Like there was a lot of really interesting stuff about that system, but that's hard to believe 20 years. But at the same rate, there's going to be a time when we go imagine that 20 years ago, the Wii came out. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, that's not far. I know you're getting old when. That's yeah, not exactly. Far at all. It, it's, it's crazy when you start actually becoming aware of those types of dates and mm -hmm. how it affects you, right? The realization that, oh yeah, the matrix came out in 1999. Jeez. You know, you still think of it as that action movie. That was pretty cool. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, it, it was just out a few years ago. No, that yeah, was no. like 22 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, Fight club. Yeah. 99 had great movies. It did, man. I'm telling you. It's American a crop. I was reading, I was reading a Jim Zub talking about some of the movies from 1990s because he oh, watched yeah. The Mummy last night. And uh, it was just funny reading the list and going, yeah, that was a pretty kick-ass little little space there. Yeah. <laughs> the it really Fight was. Club, The Matrix, and The Mummy. Yep. Uh, Smallville ended 10 years ago this week. Mm. Never watched it, but I know uh, it's a, a lot dumpster of fire really at the end. It. Horrible. It, it, <laughs> remember, it was it came out in um, for, for what ended up becoming the CW. Yeah, it was one of those defining shows, right? That yep. said the market's that, thirsty. Yep, that and Gilmore Girls. Oh, your favorite. My favorite. Yep. So it's just crazy. Um, you know, it's it just like, yeah, 10 years ago. Like, it's it, that means it's been at least 12, 13 years since I've seen an episode of Smallville. Yeah. Crazy, huh? I, I'm telling you, like, I felt really old when Star Wars was turning 40 and then Empire Strikes Back last year turned 40. That really dated me. That was like one of those slaps across the face. Not only in the pocketbook because I had to collect the merch with the stupid little tags on it that said 40 years, but just a fact of 40 years, man. And I'm like, yep. I like we talked about on the May the 4th episode, that was a big deal in my life at that point. Like that movie was like the buzz was palpable. Like you, you had us running around schoolyards, play acting the I am your father scene like crazy like it was it just can't be overstated how much saturation one movie had <laughs> into yeah. pop culture at that point yep as far as the school ground <laughs> yeah and and do you think we're gonna reach those levels and those heights again I personally don't I don't I don't think so I think right now as you know we'll discuss on on the next episode when we talk about our, our viewing, a weekly viewing schedule and what our reactions to it. But there's just too much content as far as yeah. that goes now. It really is. Like, it, it, it's, it's, there's so much variety and some of it good, some of it bad. 
and a whole meaty bit right in between that you're like, yeah, oh man, I really dug these three episodes of that season yeah, or whatever, but then the rest of it was trash. And that tarnishes, tarnishes the popularity possibly because it's like, uh, they varied too much. They did this, they did that. And I think that that counters against those types of things. Yeah. When you look at Empire Strikes Back, it was one of the first successful sequels, right? At that point, the sequel was never as good as the original. With Empire, is it's very arguable that it out it surpassed the original in almost every form. And that previously was unheard of. And then you had like Indiana Jones and you had all these other yeah. kind of franchises start up that were able to maintain itself. And yeah. you know, aside from James Bond and things like that, you really didn't see that much sequel penetration going on. And Godfather too, yeah. but that that in my opinion, that's yeah. different. In a sense. That is a bit different, but yeah, exactly. I'm just talking about the pop culture aimed at kids. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like it really got us into, it programmed us into well, a movie mode. I can't also, see that happening as much. Also remember, like let's even take a look at not far removed from Star Wars. Like look at the, 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 just the vast, how different of a movie Teenage Ninja Turtles Two, Secret of the Oozes, compared to the first one. The first one was dark, gritty, awesome. The second one was borderline cartoon. Yeah. Yeah, that's the traditional scope of sequels, right? Yeah. It just really comes down to, it used to be there's a good IP, then some producer or something that probably had nothing to do with the first one drives up with a truckload of money and says, I want to do another one. Because yeah. we can just, we can instantly make back this much. You know, again, talking about the money thing, I'm yeah. sure a studio is just sitting there going, our formula says you're going to make this much cash. And then someone's going to go, I'll take that for a dollar. Like, you know, yeah. get the cameras ready. So, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting world that we live in. You know, nine Star Wars films later, I don't know that they got better. <laughs> they vary. But... At least the universe goes on. I'm telling you, there's going to be a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles like 14 at some point. The problem with TMNT is that they keep rebooting, rehashing it. Yeah, it's even looking at the comics, man, I'm telling you, it was difficult for me to find the originals of the black and whites because there's so many number ones of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's like... Oh, the legend of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, the this it's the comicization of everything, right? It's like, oh, there's Spider-Man, then there's the amazing Spider-Man, then there's you know what I mean? Like they, they put a new word in there, there's the X-Men, there's the uncanny X-Men. Yep. yep. There's a lot of stuff that just keeps on getting rebranded and repushed. And I I think, you know, like I say, comics have been doing it for a while. It's interesting to see when movies actually caught on to what the comics were doing. And pivoting the product back onto the kids that way. Yeah. And marketing it, the shit out of it with toys, right? Like, yeah. Let's just face it. Back in those days, you got to see a movie maybe, you know, on a typical run, maybe twice in its run. If you were really a big fan of it, you'd go back and watch it again. So the movie had to live on through the toys and through mm -hmm. the playgrounds and through us creating those moments to, to make indelible. Yep copies of the movie in our head also it's such an interesting after star wars capsule. it's arguable that it's still the th case but 
I would say, especially in the 80s and the early 90s, you know, half of the content aimed at kids were just whatever, whether it is a 22-minute cartoon or a 90-minute movie, they were all big commercials for products. Yes. Yes, that was, that was again, a time when it's very similar to what we talked about where the legislation doesn't catch up to the reality of the product world. That was a time when marketing was completely unwatched, mm-hmm. right? Like it was the wild west for marketing because they could get right in the kids' heads and set up a shop in there. <laughs> like literally, okay, kids, go to your parents, beg for money, give it to us. <laughs> and we're going to give you plastic. <laughs> yep. And it was a happy exchange for us. We were like, God damn it. I need another Greedo action figure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, touching on something that we've been talking about for many months, something that we've been mentioning, especially recently as Disney Plus is around and the MCU Disney Plus shows are out, and, you know, it's this whole all-connected thing that they've been really pushing, especially now with these amazing Disney Plus Plus shows. Um, And, and, um, you know, uh, it's come up, and I think... You've said it best, Phil, when you always say, you know, you just want to watch an Avengers movie. Everything can be too complicated. It can be too much for some people. And I agree 100%. Uh, So, you know, it's just funny. Like, it's probably just the timing. um, But there seems to be a lot more attention given to, you know, can the MCU survive, you know, long term? Whether it be because of actors whether it be because of content, whether it be because of just, you know, the story's just not living up to as good as phase one, two, three, and even four, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, there there are a lot of questions right now in terms of the MCU. Um, and one of the questions that a lot of people seem to be asking is, should Marvel be able to exist outside of the MCU? What do you think, Phil? Oh, that's that's a heavy question. And what, what? I say this because the other thing in parallel with this that I wanted to talk about is the new trailer for Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage, which we obviously know is mm. outside of the MCU. Um, so, you know, like, where do you, how do you feel, like, in your gut of guts? Like, you know, can Marvel... Bring something out and not have it be part of the MCU. That that's really a loaded question. I I think that personally, just me speaking, I like things to be in the MCU because it means there's adherence to canon. And let's you know, it's all in canon. You know what I mean? Like that's the show. Um, so I I do have that appeal. Like it's the same appeal that I have Star Wars and whatnot. I do see the demand from people to maybe be more experimental with the content. Like really at the end of the day, that's what Venom is, right? It's, it's getting to get their horror on with a truly horrific character and scratch an itch that they have to get that combination of superhero horror mix. Um, I don't discourage it, but it's not my preference, right? I'd rather it play well with others. Yep. If that makes sense. Like, 
I'd, I'd love the idea that you could take a, a Carnage or Venom or somebody and have them in the mix of the MCU. Like, I really like that idea that they, they don't necessarily need to have the supports that are traditional around their stories and have them still be characters within the MCU. But, you know, like it just seems it seems to me to be more so a war about property rights, just like we saw with X-Men and 20th Century Fox. Obviously, we're living in a more, more amalgamated world or we're heading there with Disney owning 20th Century Fox now. So it gets to fold into that MCU. But we've seen it for so long and we've seen that it doesn't always work, right? X-Men was a bit of a mess. Like, I, I, I turn on Showcase on the weekends and they almost regularly have an X-Men movie on and I look at it and I go, I don't even remember this. And I know I have the DVD. I know I watched it. And I'm like, this is a freaking hot mess of a movie. Like, there's shit that just doesn't make sense because of editing or story or like the consistency of it everything and it's just weird man it it weirds me out personally yeah yeah see like, no, it's how many times could just... you have ryan reynolds with the with the silly putty over his mouth yeah, <laughs> that was bad but that's the thing right like i think it's it's an it's an interesting question and I really don't know if I have, like, even my own personal opinion. Because let's take a look at the MCU, right? Like, what happens if there's this kick-ass story that they want Tony Stark to be in? And that's it. What if an actor, like, let's say, um, you know, Sebastian Stan says, fuck it. I'm not coming back. You know, yeah. then what? Uh, yeah, you know, there, well, I think there's I, other characters that they're more tied to, so it's like, how are we going to act to certain things? And and we have like, here's the thing, MCU has been so lucky with, um, you know, with 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 their actors. Like, there's the yeah. unfortunate Chadwick Boseman thing, but they've yes. been able to integrate that into the MCU in some shape, way, or form. Um, but, you know, but they've been lucky overall in terms of the on-screen stuff that they've been able to have this continuity and everything works. But there's going to come a point where they're going to have to replace a major character or two. And it'll be interesting to kind of see what people, um, how people react. Now, from a pure story point of view, you know, it would be nice to have some... Uh, Marvel stuff that doesn't take place in the MCU because the MCU representation of some characters might not be your, um, you know, up your alley. Spider-Man. Yeah. I know a lot of people that don't like MCU Spider-Man because he's Tony Stark light, you know? <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of reasons yeah. why a lot of people don't like Spider-Man in the MCU outside of him being in the MCU. But his standalone movies have been very touching, go with a lot of hardcore Spider-Man fans. So it's just interesting to see, right? And it would be nice to have a standalone Spider-Man movie that doesn't involve the MCU, where he can just do his own thing. Having said that, you know, let's take a look at the other side of the world and take a look at DC. They're a fucking mess. Like, let's 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 start that with by saying that right now DC is an absolute mess. WB is in an absolute mess. AT&T in general is in an absolute mess. But, yeah. you know, people seem to be warming up to the idea of a mainline, you know, Earth-1 story. And then you have things like the Joker, like the Batman, 
like other things like that, you know, in, in their property. And people seem to be accepting that. So it at least opens up the possibilities that if Marvel needs to, wants to, they can do this, right? And then, yeah. you know, from a creative point of point, point of view they have the 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 backdrop of having a multiverse so they can easily say that this story takes place in earth 669 or something right mm-hmm. yeah i i think we're gonna start to see a little bit of that especially with the loki show and obviously disney are gonna play with the what if franchise which is going to be out of the mcu it's going to be cartoons based off the what if comics and whatnot, you know, to, to explore that end of it. Like what if juggernaut, you know, did X, Y, Z, you know, that type of thing. So I think they're going to dabble in it. And I think it definitely has appeal because it just means more content and more eyeballs and maybe satisfying different markets in different ways. But exactly like you pointed out, and I was going to bring it up too. You look at DC and the hot mess that it is, Right. And they're they're starting to stabilize. I hope, I hope we're gonna get it. But I, I, the more I read about the Snyder cut and all that, it just seems to have confused stuff even more for fans now. It's not creative for fans, divisions. Not for fans. Just from a creative point of view. But no, I think fans. Yeah, but it it's created division a little bit because the hardcore. Yeah, I get it. They're they can get it. They understand that division very well. But for the casual people. I don't know that they really care to try to understand it, and I don't blame them for it. And but same the can be said about the MCU. Confusing. Just wait until, yeah. just wait until Doctor Strange two comes out. Wait until mm. Spider Man three comes out. Let's see what the average fan, the casual fan, thinks about that. And that's what this is all based out of, right? Like just like we were talking about. I just want an Avengers movie type thing. I want to go back to when things were simple and the MCU was intact as far as this boundary right and there's going to be an element of that population that's prevalent and there's going to be an equal or if not greater population of people that embrace the new stuff and in its complexity in its weirdness in its either in mcu universe or out you know what i mean like it, it it's it's gonna that splinter of the fan base is going to happen. It's just trying to corral it to keep most of the people in the main part of the boat, right? To go on the journey willingly. Because like I say, if you would have told me when I was a kid that there'd be 23 superhero movies culminating in, you know, this huge epic finale of a phase in Endgame, and it's going to involve all these characters that I've been worshipping and reading month to month in my comic books. I would have called bullshit on you. I would have said, no freaking way is that ever going to happen. You can't tell me I'm going to sit down and watch 23 of these movies, right? And it has. So, I don't know. It's not, like I say, it's not my cup of tea to go outside of the MCU, but I get the appeal. It'd be fun. Yeah, I agree. It, 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 has its, it has its appeal. There, there are certain Actually, positives and negatives, right? And I think like one of the big yeah. outs that Marvel can create is this whole what if, right? Like, it's just yeah. that, that what if world. Um, so I think that that is, and, and between the what ifs and the multiverse, you know, MCU, DCEU, whatever the fuck you want to call each of their worlds, um, it gives them that out in a sense. It's, it's 
the multiverse though is it it's it's kind of like touching um time machines right mm-hmm. like i know a lot of people who are into movies but the minute you introduce time travel they're like screw it i'm out like no nope, well, you don't have to nope, introduce nope, nope, it nope, nope. Oh, like literally all you have to say is this takes place in whatever yeah yeah i'm but i'm just saying right like there are people who because they go well now i can't trust the story ever because it's a dynamic that's always going to be changing and if i can't trust the story then why bother watching it yeah. because that's what time travel does and the same thing can possibly happen if they don't do a good job with the multiverse idea or with the with the world's idea right it's 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 going to be a fascinating experiment to see how loki grapples with it because i think that's our amuse bouche right that's what's going to tell us what the responsibility level is from marvel on this how what approach are they going to take or is this something that doesn't work and they completely abandon it or take a different direction on it or is it something that will work and yes it defines how they're going to approach it it's 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 a fascinating character experiment and story experiment yep exactly um so we already talked about disney kind of and their continuation of the reopening plans, uh, you know, where masks are going to be more optional. They're reducing physical distancing rules and whatnot. So, you know, that that's a thing that's actually going on and the power to them, um, you know, and, and other signs that the world is getting back to normal is that, you know, it's every week we're now getting the lists uh, of weekend U.S. box office numbers. So last week, and it's 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 kind of funny, because uh, last week Jace, Jason Statham's Wrath of Man led the U.S. weekend weekend box office with eight point one million dollars, which you know it's not as low as I thought, but it's just like compared to you know thirty million, forty, fifty, you know, a hundred thirty million for an MCU movie or something like that. Yeah. It, it it seems underwhelming, but at the same rate, I think there's still an awful lot of hesitancy by people to go rushing back into the theater. But it's it's generally going to get back to, I think there's going to be, we're going to get back to those big opening weekends, obviously, as this vaccination and whatnot. Like, for, for me, I wasn't super hopeful that all this vaccination stuff was going to be the magic cure. But after seeing the news in the States this week, it, it's certainly pointing to it having a huge leg up on everything and being a big separator of getting this virus out of our lives. And maybe we do get a little more normality than what I was originally expecting. And that's so not look a bad at, thing. Look at the UK too, right? Like they went from brink yep. of disaster to vaccinating people like mad. And now, you know, look at yesterday at the FA Cup final. They had fans. Yeah, exactly. So... It's um, it it definitely bodes well. Like I, I think the structure, like we've identified, is going to change as far as movie distribution and time to video on demand or or streaming services. Um, I definitely think that that's going to be something that becomes more of a negotiation point, as we pointed out, uh, on future projects. Uh, but it's um, yeah, it's interesting to see the numbers. You know, I I don't think a Jason Statham pulling in eight point one on an opening weekend is is a, a horrible thing. I think that that's probably about what I'd expect. 
you know, about with with the theater, the limited openings and and twenty eight hundred theaters were showing it. So that's not bad, right? Yeah, exactly. So hey, you know, and they still have to distance in the theater. I, I, aside from like maybe Texas and Florida, I think that a lot from what I see in the sporting world, there still is a insistent of spare uh keeping people apart the social mm-hmm. distancing thing so i would imagine that that's 8.1 is probably pretty reflective of some pretty maximum capacity box uh, uh theaters yep. as well because they're probably at 25 percent occupancy yep exactly so, that's kind of what i'm thinking yeah i i so i think you're right 8.1 million seems low but 8.1 million at 25 percent capacity Sounds about right. It would have yep. been a forty million dollar weekend for it here's, if if they could fit bums and seats. Here's the thing: I want to see these metrics presented in a different way. Like I, we we are we are making you know apples to oranges comparisons. I want to get a metric where that we can actually see what how things are actually going. Um, you know, based on the number of theaters, based on how many people are allowed in theaters, what you know, yes. like some number where we can get a better sense of how much money is being brought into each theater. Because if you take a look at this on, at the, you know, at the face of it, 8.1 million is nothing, right? Like it, it's yeah. nothing. Like we're looking, looking at the top 10, you know, uh, uh, Tom and Jerry is number 10 and that's at like 426, uh, thousand, 426,000, you know? So, so the, 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 the numbers vary, but, I want to see kind of like the performance. And the other thing is, I think that they should start showing these trends and seeing that, you know, as people get vaccinated, more people can do stuff, more money can be spent. And I think that that's for sure one way that you can kind of get people who are on the fence about vaccination to get vaccinated. Yeah, I I, I think it's... Honestly, like just seeing the 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 news coming out of Europe this or England in particular this week, the news coming out of the states by the CDC, I I honestly think it's you know a very compelling argument for that return to normality and getting back to all this stuff. And you're right, I would like to see more context around the numbers. I would like to see a maximum capacity, like how many seats were unsold. Put it that yeah. way, that type exactly. of thing, right? It's like. You know, every every situation is going to be dynamic. But typically, if you tell me that 10% of theaters are going with unused seats, then that means you have 90% occupancy, which means that's pretty darn good in whatever context you're looking, right? Even yeah. at a reduced rate, it's still compelling people to go see the movie mm-hmm. and take the risk or feel comfortable, whatever it is. And yeah, it would be nice to have that. I always, I've always complained that when you look at box office numbers, they only tell part of the story. It's just like when we look at when we look at video game sales and we go, "Oh, okay. Well, that's for physical copies. What about digital copies?" You know what I mean? Because yeah. I'm like, that is a huge impact on the bottom line. But they're always coy about that bottom line. I'm always curious about movies. Like, how much money did you guys make worldwide domestically? Okay, that number is attainable. But how much did you make on the home movie market? On the rentals? On the this? On the that? Those numbers don't really get published as much right yeah because it goes back to the conversation we were having earlier about you know if if especially if a movie let's say a movie in the old times you know pre-2020 the old times um yes uh 
a movie wouldn't perform wouldn't perform so well in the theater and then is kind of like a cult hit so something like a scott pilgrim i think yeah. is a perfect example of this did it perform well in the theater not really did it perform well after the theater in in with dvd sales with whatever hell yeah you know it is a hugely popular movie it is a cult hit classic like it is up there with yeah. kevin smith movies um but the studio doesn't need to report on that because if you know no they don't want people to say oh you know i need more money after the fact as opposed to up front yeah maybe that's where contracts go right where people mm-hmm. say well look if this thing gets on netflix and goes blockbuster on that and is selling you subscriptions or or ex, you know the movie becomes a, a needed cult classic on a shelf much like Blade Runner was, right? Like, I yeah. don't think Blade Runner did super well in the theater. And then it exploded on home video, right? Like, that was the tape to have. Like, yeah. that was just a, a, a huge, huge cornerstone in science fiction. Yep. But it never was realized in the theater. So, and you're right, Scott Pilgrim's another one. I think it's mostly because people wanted to have a smoke of some mind-altering substance. Yeah. <laughs> and that movie became infinitely... Uh, more watchable, not that it was bad in the first place, but you know what I mean? It just became yeah. another entity, much like Sausage Party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, oh, one thing that I do pride ourselves on, Phil, is the fact that we are pretty good at picking out um, trends in tech, whether it be video games or streaming. It's something that, you know, we've, we've gotten a lot more right than we have gotten wrong. And one of the things this week was actually discussed at the Ubisoft um, earnings call so when the CFO, CFO, Frederick Duguet, essentially said that they're going to be focusing less on AAA games... And then people were wondering what that actually means. So the definition of AAA games is pretty vague. But essentially, you know, what they mean is that they're going to focus on, you know, the games that make them money. So like your Dance Dance Revolutions, or sorry, your Just Dances um, and Riders Republic. uh, But they're typically, technically not AAA games, but they have AAA performance. Um, And then the big one is having those never ending free-to-play games yeah a a little part of me died when i Mm -hmm. read this or heard it unfortunately like you know division three homeland i think it's called or heartland is going to be free to play next year it's going down that model already right and that's it's inevitably going to infiltrate almost all of what ubisoft are producing yep to switch over to that model and they, they confirmed that this week. And for me, I'm not a big fan of that. But I'm traditional. I admit it. I'm old. All right. I like having a game. And that game being the game that I wanted. These free-to-play games aren't bad. Hey, look, it's free, right? They're, they're going to monetize it off of add-on content or pay to upgrade, right? And, and those are all choices that we can make and live with. So we all have to be adults in our lives and manage that. But the problem is, is the product constantly tweaks and changes. And I know it's arguable that you take a Cyberpunk 2077 and the way it was released, they're constantly tweaking and changing it to make it a better experience. That's a standalone product, right? Mm -hmm. But it's it's just, to me, it's way more dynamic with the free-to-play. 
they can drastically alter everything about a free to play and they constantly can just come back and say eh free to play like nobody's forcing you to play it this is our product it's our servers we're doing what we want with it the new season's in you're all underwater mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it's just i don't like that chaos about it i i you know not gonna lie this week i bought that mass effect legendary edition just because i can own it you know and play it on my five and you know like do things the traditional video game way and yeah. i i'm not too optimistic about this idea that ubisoft has it really is at the at the core of it all and this is probably what annoys me the most but it's something you have to live with as a person is it's all about money it's not about the art it's not about the experience like when i play a video game i'm not thinking about the money i'm looking for the experience i'm looking for the gratification i'm looking for the joy the pain you're old school the suffering yeah the suffering the art all of that stuff is what i'm purchasing of course and this at its i know that there's a money component to that obviously the better they do at that game the more money they make but this is pure greed 100 percent to me Phil, here's the thing. Like this is they, just like, they, this is why a lot of people have fallen out of love with the video games, with video games in the video game industry, and it's because it's not about the fun, it's not about the entertainment, it's about the profit at the end of the day. And I'm not saying yeah. that it never was; it it's always been. But right now, it's that's literally their means to an end. Well, there's there's no there's no hiding it, yeah. right? They just want into your money either with a subscription. Or with pay to play or monetization, like it's unabashed. And that's the problem right now. It, it's, it's, it's insulting yeah. as a consumer. I, I like the idea of, of buying a game to play it and not become a product of it. Right. And that's ultimately what's happening. We're seeing it happen with freaking Halo. You know, 343 Industries ruined Halo. I'll say it again. But here they are making the multiplayer free to play. Right? Why is that? Because they're going to have a monetization factor sitting in it, right? There's going to be something that compels you to spend $4.99, $8.99, to get all the packs that you can get. And it's just gross. You know, EA, do it. And people scream blue murder. Now it's just... Everyone screamed it, but nobody did anything about it. They just kept on filling their pockets with that fat FIFA cash, mm -hmm. right? And now everybody's going, well, the world didn't end. We're still gambling with kids' money. We're still screwing around with them mentally. So let's just keep it going. Like, other companies are going, shit, they haven't made a good product in years. They just keep on re-releasing that same product over and over again, and they're making billions, Right. And that's that's what's truly disgusting about this. That's what you know, like Rockstar don't need to make GTA six. They've been mining GTA five for eight freaking years now. Three it's, generations of systems. Yeah. It's it's absolutely ridiculous how unmotivated these companies get. Like Activision is probably right there as a biggest offender to me i know they're working on overwatch too but what is overwatch it's basically the way that they make more money right like so yeah. they're pursuing it but you look at world of warcraft you look at all this stuff there's no innovation happening anymore 
it's all about oh well let's rebrand it and call it the retro you know re-release and we'll scale everything back to the original wow and people went crazy for that it's like well what was creative about that like <laughs> yeah it's 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 annoying to see i i i feel like you know the video game industry is particularly bad at cannibalizing itself on this on the scales that it does it's going too quickly to the nostalgia buttons it's ridiculous to me that even i fall for it and buy the mass effect legendary edition when i have all the discs sitting on my shelf for both systems yeah that still play on it yeah but you know we're we're guilty as consumers but this is like a really really negative avenue so yep old man phil rants again yep so <laughs> wanna, are, are you ready to talk about playstation 5 sure all right so in the uk playstation 5s are half near impossible to come by uh, the stock <laughs> is so so low um that in april ps4 sold more than ps5s Nintendo Switch was the number one seller overall, followed by Xbox Series uh, platforms. So the X and S combined. Not shocked. It's, you know, Sony went out and made the statement that they can't satisfy demand this year. They don't think that they're going to be able to, to keep one of these systems on the shelf this year. And here I was so confident, right? Like, oh, by March, we'll be tripping over PS5s. So you'll go into Walmart and there'll be a pyramid of them just sitting there trying to flog them out. I told you it wouldn't happen. Bucks. I told you this, no, this and you semiconductor were right. shortage is it's And now this people. semiconductor, yeah. You know? Um, it is bad. But I'm assuming that based off of those UK numbers, Sony boss Jim Ryan went on the record and said that production is ramping up over the summer, that right now they are uh, securing all the parts necessary, and by the summer, um, they are going to be up and running again. I would expect, you know, Sony are going to be gearing up for a big Christmas. If you think about the pandemic being on the decline and availability of the systems, I think they they see the dollar signs. Obviously, the dollar signs were even bigger during the pandemic. But it's uh, I think it's a safe bet that they're going to do everything that they can to make sure. And the thing is, with the PS4 sales, I'm not shocked. It's a great system. Like, honestly, there are times I look at my PS5 games and I go, is it really different than the PS4? Like, the big changer for me is the controller. You know what I mean? Like that there, there isn't a title yet where I'm like absolutely jaw on the ground, like in awe of it. But I, I don't have a title yet that really has a lot of the lighting stuff that they can do. And I'll say it, the ray tracing. (laughs) Spider-Man was a big one. Spider-Man's good. Don't get me wrong. And it is an upgrade because I, I played it on the four pro um, but it wasn't night and day for me. It was good though. It, yeah. It's it's mostly it's mostly like little things like you know like some lighting effect enhancement, some textures, and the loading speed obviously, as well as frame rate. And that's a, sometimes a difficult thing to truly appreciate. But once you get a busy screen and you get a lot of mobs on it or whatever, then you go, hey, wow, it didn't stutter. It didn't 
it didn't break down playing. And that's what you truly have to appreciate is the complexity that when it's on a, a, a slower system, right? Mm-hmm. It shits out. Yeah. So the Pi doesn't shit out. Yeah, exactly. So um, Sony is in court right now because they're always in court. But why this time you ask? It is because they are being um, accused of having a not a level playing field with consumers. Um, so essentially a lot of store owners feel left out that on the Sony digital store, you cannot, mm-hmm. as a store owner, sell codes for Sony's store. So by that, I mean, you know, if you want to buy Hades, for example, you can't. Mm-hmm. You have to yeah. use Sony. You have to go through PSN, and Sony keeps the money. They also allege that the PS5, um, the digital version, absolutely cuts out any store and is creating a monopoly. Yeah, it is. (laughs) I'm going to say it. Either Sony are going to lawyer up with the best lawyers in the world or somebody's got the worst lawyer in the world if they're going to lose that one. Yeah. (laughs) Because I, I, I just don't know if that's something that you can really govern properly because it seems to be an evolution of the product and it would Mm -hmm. kind of be in one way in my mind it would kind of be like arguing for the horse and carriage over the vehicle like there's an evolution right there's there's technology is technology and you could sit there and go well i my grandfather makes a carriage wheels and he's going to be out of work and the the ultimate society answer is well he's better learn to work with rubber and <laughs> and other wheels then he's yeah. got to he's got to train up and i think we're seeing the death of retail right we're seeing that evolution of we don't need that limb anymore <laughs> it's a, it's a terrible thing to say because it's affecting people but the only thing that i've learned so far in my life is that when one opportunity closes, usually another opportunity comes along. Like there, yeah. it's not like that job goes away; it goes somewhere else. So you just have to be adaptable, and you have to be looking for that opportunity, right? Yep. And I think that that's going to present itself in whatever form the marketplace takes. Yep, exactly. So, look at oh. look at GameStop. They're um, trying so many different things right now, right? Knowing that this yeah. marketplace is going to change big time. So we'll see exactly where they end up going. But, you know, they are making strategic changes at the very top. Like, look at uh, the rivers that they're going to start, um, you know, build your own computers and whatnot. Um, yeah. You know, let's take a look at EB Games and how they've partnered up with Microsoft for the financing of their system. Yeah, they're they're getting creative. Now, I know that the existing CEO is stepping down this summer. I believe so. Obviously, that's another. He's done his point thing. Turmoil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. He he got stonked. Um, so, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of creative decisions they make as a company now to be competitive. And you know, we've seen it all along, like you said, about all these different ideas. But we've seen it where they tried to be a toy collector, yeah, focused thing. They, they've they've tried things over the years, man. Some of them have worked. I've got way more Funko Pops in my collection because it was an undeniable force when you walked into an EB game here in Canada. It was like, 
oh, there's video games, but there's so much self shelf space dedicated yeah. to Funko Pops. You know what the problem like with that. that is, though, is that you know, it's a franchise. And as mm-hmm. much as I appreciate the fact that they do have toys and you can't get collectibles, there's just something about going to a mom pa shop, you know, your local comic book store or whatever, your local toy store, and, and to, you know, them actually being knowledgeable and them not being assholes and forcing you to buy bullshit. And that's something that I always found here at EB was that they have zero knowledge on what the fuck they're selling. Oftentimes, when even when they're packing stuff on the shelves they don't give a fuck they're just throwing it you end up with like bruised boxes and stuff so it's like okay yeah you sell a collector item but you've ruined the casing the boxing whatever right there's like just this no shits given attitude at eb yeah that is true and and one of the complications there within i find eb is pretty good my nightmare scenario is walmart right as we talked about with with lauren stone in the past, it's like when when exclusives go to Walmart and employees are just either not even putting the product out, yeah, or like you say, bruising the box, or the other kids come along in the aisle and beat the shit yeah. out of the products, exactly. right? It, it's it's stuff like that, and and that's that's a concern as a collector. And yeah, I I I, I do appreciate someone being knowledgeable on the product. I haven't found it with EB as much, but I have found it with places like. Best Buy, unfortunately, and things like that, where people are just working a job and they don't know anything about the product that you're trying to buy. Yeah. Right? You can't use them as a sounding board. It's basically the default answer is go look on YouTube. Yeah. Like, find somebody reviewing it on YouTube, and that's the biggest salesperson now. Right? Yeah, and it's kind of funny because I kind of feel like a lot of these companies have adapted to that, where that's what they want you to do, because traditionally, that's what people are now doing. So... They don't need someone who is knowledgeable in the product because they have to pay them more. Yep, exactly. It just means lowering of wages and devaluing of expertise, right? I'll tell you, the funniest story I have at an EB, you're going to like this one. Right. I walked in about, uh, it was it was um, an evening where I think the Raptors were, were in the playoffs on their epic run that year. And uh, <clears throat> the mall was empty. And I went into the EB at my local mall, and there's two youngish girls working there. And I saw a Funko Pop that I had to buy, all right? And this was a Funko Pop I've never quite seen before. I have it put away in storage. And it is the Justin Timberlake with the other guy, the uh, Sandberg guy, the Dick in a Box Funko Pops. And they have the boxes right over their dicks, right? Right. And I'm just like dying laughing. You know I'm gonna buy it, right? Yeah. And here I like at this point where I'm holding the product and looking at these teenage girls at the cash. And I'm like, oh, I feel really dirty right now. Like I feel like I'm buying pornography, right? And like I'm getting caught. You know what I mean? So I put the the Funko Pops on the tail counter. And what do these girls do? They start singing the song. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. And I felt so bad. Like, <laughs> without words. Yeah. And, like, there's nobody else around. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I feel, like, just terrible right now. And <laughs> it, was, it was truly one of the funniest moments of my life. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> so funny. 
Yeah, sixteen-year-old uh, girl singing "Dick in a Box" to me. <laughs> oh Jeez. lord, that was the creepiest thing ever. <laughs> Classic Phil story right there. Oh, I got the hell out of there after I got that thing. I'm like, <laughs> um, there's gonna be crime committed, like you reported. Jeez. <laughs> uh, Not that Phil I'm Lord. doing anything. I'm just exactly. Yeah, Phil Lord. Uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller directing a pandemic movie. Ooh. Yeah, That'd that looks fun. interesting. Uh, they've been hired to adapt the book, The Premonition, a pandemic story. Uh, so that mm. is a thing. It was just recently published. You know when? May 4. Oh, wow. I know, right? Like, oh, this wow. is the world we live in now. Literally, something comes out May 4, two weeks later, a week and a half later, oh, boom, movie. movie. You see, this is this is a worrisome trend for me in the sense that we're all going to relate really well to pandemic stuff because we've all, all suffered, right? Some people more than others. Some people uh, have lost loved ones and things like that. So I don't mean to, to diminish it, the impact. But we've all kind of endured a lot in this isolation. And I think that when you look at events like 9-11 or you look at events that changed the world in the past they've all become major beacons of stories yeah and now we're gonna get that flood that unabashed flood of pandemic stuff especially when things normalize then all the creatives uh, uh, all the money's gonna go into these doomsday stories or these feel-good stories whatever they may be but i think we're all gonna been sitting inside for two years i sure as hell don't want to watch a movie about sitting inside for two years but yeah we'll see what happens exactly all right question phil when did uh return of the jedi come out 1983 83 yeah may 1983 okay it was may okay it was 83 okay so anyways uh star wars celebration is moving from august to May of next year. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But uh, they are planning an in-person event. No um, no info. Uh, they did say that, you know, people who have had tickets for the last one still have tickets for this next one. Um, there will be additional tickets going on sale. Uh, so we'll see exactly what ends up happening. But I'm actually very interested in this because, you know, with Star Wars just so... So many move, so many moving parts right now. So many things are on the table, and I am super interested in exactly what's going to happen because you know, at, at Disney's event in December, they announced you know officially announced Obi One, uh, you know Lando, Bubba Fett, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's yeah. just so much going on. Yeah, this it it's kind of weird though too. This fits into our top story what we started talking about though about the changes at disney and people are pointing to this as one of those guideposts of because everybody in the star wars universe was caught off guard by the suddenness of this and the fact that it is moving from august to may may's always been traditionally may for me regarded as star, star wars, wars time yeah but it became christmas because of the way that they did those sequels um, and I, I, so I don't argue with it that it's, it's a better time frame maybe to do something like that in, and it fits 
the schedule better. It's just weird that they moved it arbitrarily like that, and this kind of came left field. But that's the way of the world, right? They have to be right nimble now. Right now, I don't now, know. Right now, looking like uh, you know what? Just with that, with the pandemic and everything, how many times have things changed? You know, yeah, and 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 you're you're gonna point the finger at something because it's happening earlier. Like you know, pe- honestly, people right now are trying to find reasons to shit on Disney and shit and. Yeah. and you know me, I never fucking defend Disney. I'm the first person to shit on the <laughs> company. But, you know, it's just like, I think people need to be a little more tranquilo and be a little chill when it yeah. comes to some of these decisions as we come out of the pandemic. Yeah, I, I think that it's really a symbol for me that they're looking at what's the first realistic date that we can yep. do this. And they right? want to and make it, fits it into, big. Exactly, and it fits into the Star Wars narrative. Specifically, I looked it up, May 25th, 1983. It's always been a series of movies that they released on the May long weekend because it's extra time at the box office. That's how they get those huge numbers is they get an extra day on the box office for yep. people to be off exactly. and hit in the theaters. So it's, um, yeah, I, I'm curious to see what happens now. Like there's obviously a lot of projects announced. There's probably even more that are being greenlit that we don't know about. And it's going to be interesting to see uh, what the fandom and the uh, the reaction to it is, I guess, yep. is something that I'm most curious to see. Because uh, up till this point, these, these announcements have been made on YouTube. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people, there isn't the palpable energy that's associated with the, with the, the name drop that they used to do at these types of things, right? With Dave yeah. Filoni up there saying Ahsoka lives and, and stuff like that. Like those moments haven't been with us. So it'll be fun to see it again. Yep. And before we go, I want to talk about streaming numbers and I probably should have added this earlier, but it is what it is. Um, and that is Disney plus now has 103 million subscribers. The streaming service is up 70 million subscribers from this time last year. And people are pissed. Phil. Yeah. This is what yeah, I mean about meet- people finding reasons to shit on disney and this isn't just disney this is any company and i just i like i can't fathom the world because i've gone through this professionally where just because you're kicking ass you didn't kick ass enough so yeah you you're shit so essentially uh 103.6 million uh, users may seem like great growth for Disney Plus, but it's lower than what a- analysts predicted, which was 110 million subscribers. So, there are a lot of questions being asked at Disney. Why did we miss out on 7 million subscribers? It's crazy because an analyst is making a prediction based off of forecasting. Whether that forecasting is right or wrong, they make it sound like they were conservative in the forecast, but maybe it was overly aggressive, right? That's the whole point. And I, I it's something that, that the marketplace will react. Like, I'll bet you Disney stock went down based off of this news and, and things like that. Like, the market's deflated a little bit on it. But it's going to pump back up when Disney get their shit going again, right? Like, when Disney start pumping the crap out of the mouse ears again and the kids are running around with the experience and star wars galaxy's edge is pumping out lightsabers like no tomorrow and the cruise ships are cruising that company goes from operating in a hole to operating in the black right like they're 
they're just going to be minting money again and figuring out ways to dominate the world as yep. they all like as we pointed out they own everything anyway so it's just a matter of time you could you you're probably feeding into it even if you're trying not to exactly it's just <laughs> going to be interesting because I, I i i honestly think that people are worried and nervous about the recovery but anytime that during the pandemic that there has been anything that resembles normalcy in life it has been doing so well so i just think that you know as things open up a little more as people can do more as things are available to us people are just going to be flocking to these forms of entertainment because we've been cooped up for so long so i think that you know we're in for a hell of a couple years phil yeah and you know what like i i can definitely say some of the friends of the show that we we've had on here chris and whatnot i see him posting up on twitter all the time that he got to do something that he hasn't done in two years you know he went to universal studios tour he went to uh, a movie yeah you know what i mean like and and these are all things that people are posting about as if they had made their peace with it and it was gone from their life you know what i mean and these posts read like oh my god i've got a tear in my eye that i went and saw this shit movie (laughs) whatever it may be exactly but that's uh, that's becoming a, a reason to celebrate and i can say like personally i wasn't in like i was saying referencing earlier i wasn't too optimistic about the world going forward but now that i've got my first shot and now that i start thinking about and seeing what's happening in the world yeah man there's gonna be simple things that become huge wins and that's going to translate into monetization for these companies so yep. Some of these companies are going to be printing money. It's not even going to be funny. And I can see Disney being that because I can see people just flocking to their parks, regardless of how much how expensive yeah. it is. Yeah, and, and here's the thing too, right? You get through this, and then you maybe I would never go to Galaxy's Edge because I'd go, I'd be so cynical about it. I'd be like, oh, that's a lot of money, and there's a lot of people, and yada. I find a list of excuses to keep me from going. But now that you go through this, you go, screw it. You only live once. Yep. Right? And then you go, I'm going to make a trip. I'm going to go down to Florida, and I'm going to check out Galaxy's Edge, and I'm going to spend, you know, $15,000 on this week's vacation to just geek out on Star Wars. 20000 after you that, buy that lightsaber. Well, all of the lightsabers. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I, I can see that being a huge catalyst in the marketplace, Yeah, 100%. Too. 100%. All right, so that is the news of the week. Um, one of the things I did want to talk about was, Phil, we got some positive, positive uh, reaction and feedback oh, with our we a, um, our Wednesday, our midweek episode. People like that we're adding all of the what we did shit together in one episode. Nice. Yeah, so nice. Well, we're going we're gonna to keep that going. Yeah, and, and you know what? It's going to be a part of us being us is us. So we'll focus the content like that. But just like this week, I talk about my dick in the box story. Yeah. It's it's just sometimes you can't hide who you are and you just got to have the laughs. But uh, and I'm yeah, not saying we're, we're going to str- try to compartmentalize it. Yeah. I'm not saying that Sunday is strictly business, but you know, no. it's, 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 but yeah, it's, exactly. It's good to know it it's appreciated. It yeah. Um, and I did get one email. I don't have it up. So I, do apologize to the person that sent it in, um, but they also wanted us to add our video game reviews. 
Ooh. We can do that, but I take yeah. a freaking long time no, to play. Like, whatever. Like, you know. <laughs> but I I get impressions. I can have an opinion on it. That's for sure. I know Last of Us 2 is great. I'm still scared to play it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like so we're going to be adding more content into that Wednesday episode and uh, you know, when Tyler comes back, we'll see how we split up the episodes uh, because, you know, there's a lot of specials that we want to do. Uh, you know, it might just be we record a special ahead of time and it just drops on a random day, random time. So we'll, we'll see how we um, go about all of that. But uh, Wednesdays seem to be turning into our midweek review or uh, whatever, as I called it last week, our review bonanza. Yeah, man, like, I, I I know on Wednesday's episode, we're probably going to be talking about Oxygen. We're probably going to be talking about Love, Death, and Robots. We're going to be all kinds of stuff I'm, 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 I'm anticipating. But, yeah, if you want to track us down, hit us up on our website, www.itscanonpodcast.com. You can shoot us a, a line at uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at It's Canon Podcast. You can email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com. You can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Anywhere you find podcasts, you're going to find the It's Canon Podcast. And if you want to be alerted to when we drop all these crazy episodes and specials, be sure to subscribe and uh, leave us a rate and review if the platform allows it. We appreciate you guys all taking the time to listen to us. Yeah, that is exactly it. Because we're the It's Canon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things, everything, the podcast where we talk about all things geek. The podcast where we talk about all things canon. Because we are the It's Canon Podcast. He's Phil. I'm Boris. Good night. <laughs>